0: You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. The Flyers are coming off back-to-back losses. Uh, it's their first back-to-back losses in regulation since December 31st to January 4th of last season. So they've gone quite some time without losing – consecutive games and regulations so that's probably a good thing but it's also a little troubling that it's happening now in this season uh the flyers ha- saw fans return to the building on sunday but they lost to the capitals three to one and they lost to the penguins on saturday four to three a tough back-to-back it was a stretch of six six games in nine days and that back-to-back finished it off with travel included so not an easy circumstance for the flyers but I really thought those two losses, uh, the one to Pittsburgh and the one to Washington, really were self-inflicted wounds type of games. Uh, The two goals that they gave up in Pittsburgh that blew that 3-2 lead, I thought were very preventable. And then Washington, I thought there were some bad calls and then also um, some bad missed assignments by the Flyers. Taryn Hatcher, what did you make of those two losses? Do you feel like they were more self-inflicted or more uh, the Penguins and the Capitals were simply better?
1: Well, the one thing that – has come to stand out to me in a lot of these games that Al Morganti says pretty much the same thing every game is it seems like the Flyers always have early power play opportunities. They've had a few against Pittsburgh in the first period. And um, they had a few throughout the Pittsburgh series, actually, where, you know, we talk about good puck movement, good puck movement. It looks like it's going well, which is a, a step in the right direction, but it's, it's worthless if you don't cash in and then you lose a game by one goal. You had two early power play opportunities, and I know they're, they're not going to go, you know, 100% on the power play. Nobody does, but the Flyers have been ex- exceptionally um, troubling on the man advantage, and it's come back to bite them a lot. And beyond that, you know, the thing that's tough for me, and, I, and you hate to make an excuse because it doesn't matter. Like, this is the situation for every single team in the league. But the thing that – I always am sitting here and, and having to keep in mind, especially given that, like, I've, I've done some of this travel before and not not as a person who played the game, but just who stood next to the ice and spoke. This amount of games and this amount of days is tough. I, I thought even looking at the schedule, period, when I looked at that game against the Capitals on Sunday, I was like, oh, shoot, they got to win some games in Pittsburgh because when it gets to Sunday, that game's going to feel – like you're playing with tree trunks for legs against a good team. Um, And it just felt like they were going to need lady luck and the hockey gods on their side for Sunday. And they kind of had the opposite, some questionable calls, missing the net shots and um, and a red hot goaltender for the Capitals. So um, some of it I think is tough. Some of it I definitely think is – Here's what I'll say. I always thought that this, this entire month of March was going to be hard for the Flyers because Joe and I can attest to it. Just working on pregame shows and putting in scripts and shows this often is, is hard, and we're not out here actually playing a hockey game. Um, but the Flyers didn't do anything to help themselves. Um, you know, Clodrew kind of willed them to a win on Thursday – and they probably realistically needed a goaltender to stand on his head in one of these games this week for them to split the week or- win the week when you look at it as like a little series and um you know that didn't that didn't really happen for them and Carter didn't play bad yesterday, but you know they if Carter played like Sam did uh I wonder what that game looks like, but he played out of his mind so It was always going to be tough, but the Flyers didn't didn't help themselves. Yeah, you really wonder, like,
0: if some of the lapses in coverage and breakdowns against the Capitals, uh, you could really say maybe uh, there was coverage breakdowns on all three of their goals, definitely two of the three. You wonder if that is just kind of fatigue. Maybe it's just mental fatigue and physical fatigue. Like, they're not going to admit that, but it is a crazy stretch. When Elaine Vigneault told me he had never seen six or nine in his coaching career, that told me something. Um, He joked around. He's like, I've been around a few years obviously, I think he's in his 17th or 18th season. I I could be, um, I I believe it's 18. Uh, So the guy's been around, the fact that he's never seen this type of stretch. And he he said, listen, that's multiple teams are going through this. It's not just us. But um, regardless of multiple teams going through it, it it can catch up to you. And maybe it did catch up to the Flyers, especially with them coming off the COVID-19 shutdown, uh, with a lot of guys trying to come back after two to three weeks away and uh, just quarantining and recovering from the coronavirus. So not an easy circumstance, and the fact that they're 12-7-3 and, and still in good shape I think a positive. Joe, what did you see in Sunday night's game? Did you see uh, – was that more self-inflicted or more uh, the Capitals were just better?
2: Well, a couple things. W- what you just said about how they won't admit it, I feel like that the whole every team is going through this is an admission, but, it, but it's an admission with the caveat that we're not going to use this as an excuse, but yeah. yes – there's, I mean, you heard Provorov last night say every team's going through the same schedule. Well, I take that as an admission. Like, yeah, we're exhausted, but so is every other team. Yeah. And, you know, the Capitals didn't look exhausted last night, but I bet you they are. But here's the thing, and I brought this up during the game last night. When you think self-inflicted, the things that come to mind are, how many chances did Alex Ovechkin have five-on-five play last night where he was wide open on, on, on his side of the ice. That is self-inflicted because there's no way you don't know where that guy is every time he's on the ice. Yeah. Now, the one, ba- the one bad call with the, the, the ridiculous Travis Konekne goalie interference led to two point-blank chances by Ovechkin that Carter Hart stopped. I'm not talking about those because Ovechkin's going to get his chances on the power play. There's a reason why he's scored, you know – Seven hundred and what is it sixteen goals now his chances at even strength are the things that bothered me, and he had a lot of that going on and um, you know he's wide open on the doorstep on the back door for the on his goal um, you know that type of player and and, and the guys that they have on, on lines with the tj Oshies, the 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 Nick backstroms these guys are big-time players, and they're big-time playmakers, particularly Backstrom. He may be the best passer in the NHL. And if you give these guys room or you lapse in coverage, they're going to expose it. And and uh, that's what, the, what happened with the Flyers. So I would say the Capitals stuff – the Capitals game last night, I would say, is a, a lot of self-inflicted stuff, a lot of icings. And then if you look back at the previous game, um, the Penguins, there was a ton of icings in that game. And the icings – lead me to believe tired legs yeah. um and we and then we're not talking about scrambles in your own zone and you clear the puck out and it's an icing we're talking about like guys not getting the red line and shooting the puck in from just behind the red line and getting icings and to me that that absolutely screams fatigue and you know they just have to f- find a way to not let it affect their play on the ice because The Bostons, the Washingtons, the Islanders, these teams, particularly the way the Islanders play, you have to think they're exhausted, but they're digging down deep and finding a way. So I I think the Flyers have to fight through this bit of adversity they're going through, and, you know, they can look and say, like, okay, we've had a little bit of a rough stretch, but take a look at the standings. We're only two points out of a playoff spot right now, and they're, what, uh, five, six points out of the top spot. Yeah. you know, there's not a lot of space separating one through five right now in the East Division.
0: Yeah, March might really be the biggest month of their season, or, and if, if anything, the most telling month. You think about it, 17 games in March, so it's jam-packed. Obviously, there's 17 games in a 56-game season will be crucial. And then, uh, obviously, you're talking about fatigue, and then you know, the trade deadline is April 12th. So at the end of March, after a crazy month, you'll, you'll kind of have an idea of where you're standing and where you're going Uh, into April as that trade deadline nears. Do you need help? Do you not? Um, We shall see, but March will certainly be a big month.
1: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi,
3: checking in for...
1: Or the perfect table.
3: Hey, where are you? Coming!
1: And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card...
3: Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it
1: and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Taryn, I am very, very eager to get your thoughts on the officiating Sunday night. There was obviously a call or a non-call where Zidane Chara looked like he kind of gave Joel Farabee a good shot to the face with, his, with both his, uh, his arms and hands. Uh, it was a non-call. And then literally six seconds later, as JVR standing up for, Ver- for Farabee and kind of getting in there and saying, hey, that's, you know, we don't appreciate that. Uh, the Capitals score, they make it 3-1. And all of a sudden, the Flyers are chasing the game. And then on the 2-1 Capitals goal with 16 seconds left in the second period, there was an icing call. The Flyers thought it was bogus. It set the Capitals up in their offensive zone, and boom, they scored. They make it two-one going into second intermission. Just two huge plays where the referees inserted themselves into the games, and then obviously, in with the Joel Faraby one, they uh, did not. They, they did not insert themselves into the games. What did you think of those calls?
1: Um, I think I think the like you said the the referees it definitely became a player in this game in a way that you generally don't want referee to, to like, and it was the, it was kind of the inconsistency part of it that sort of peeved me too. It, it didn't make sense the way some of it was called, you know, like the, and the Chara one bothered me. Cause I know, I know everyone sat there and they were like, well, what's James Van Reeves like doing? He's going over there standing up for him and now it's a four on three, the other direction and they score a goal. And it was like, I mean, one of the things that peeved me about that, if I'm remembering the replay properly, is that there was a ref who was right there, right after it, after Chara landed that hit on Farabee. And then James Van Riems, like kind of skates over to, like, say something. I'm sure it was, you know, some four-letter, four-letter word or another. And then he's trying to skate away, and the Caps are just holding on to his stick, and which is part of the reason why he couldn't get back into the play. And there was a longer replay of it in the game when everybody was trying to get a look at, like, if J.V.R. and Chara were mixing it up. And for a while, you just see J.V.R. trying to, like, skate, looking like, you know, like, he's carrying a picnic basket, like a hobo over his shoulder, you know, that, like, the, I'm trying to describe it, because this is an audio m- medium, and I'm now just, like, miming it, and then you guys can see me. But he looks like one of those old cartoon characters. as like, a stick with a little basket on the end of it, trying to pull away. And it took him out of the play. I mean, I don't know that he would have been in the play, to be honest with you, but it was one of those things where I'm like, if we're going to call some of the things we're going to call in this game, then let's let's be consistent. You know, it felt like the icing was incredibly dicey. Um, I'm trying to keep games straight from this weekend. The TK goal interference was in that game too, right? That, one, that was the one I brought up earlier, Taryn, and that one didn't yeah. result in a goal, but it did result in two golden
2: opportunities by – Ovechkin that Carter Hart had to stop. So you Yeah, know, and it's like, let's just like let Ovechkin program. get warmed
1: up. Like, it just it, – it was one of those things where I'm like, I, I don't – if you're going to sit there and, and make that call, then somewhere later in the game that call has to make sense, you know, in terms of balancing the scales. Yes. And it certainly didn't. And I don't think it's the reason the Flyers lost the game. Because, um, you know, like I said, I, I – I was really irritated about that Chara situation. Um, But I don't know that even if JVR took himself out of the play when he skated over there, nonetheless, if any of the rest of the extracurriculars really mattered. But, like, the icing, that icing shouldn't have been called, in my opinion. I don't think it was clear enough. Um, I think somebody prematurely blew that whistle, and then they were like, we're sticking to our guns here. But it just—I mean, Joe—we talked about it upstairs quite a bit. It just felt like, all right, they did all this crap, and now somewhere these scales are going to have to even out, and maybe it'll result in something decent for the Flyers. And then that day never came.
0: Yeah. Joe, was that um, the Farabee the play with Chara? Is that just hey Zdeno Chara is Zdeno Chara, and he can pull that stuff off on a 21-year-old sophomore in the league? Um. The Capitals loved it. I think I saw one of their players quoted saying, that's just a real savvy veteran play by Chara. He essentially takes out two Flyers with his physicality and it sets them up for basically the backbreaking goal. What did you think of that? And then for me, I'll say real quick, that icing play, um, bad call or not, the Flyers need to get their heads straight and finish that period. If they finish that period and just cover their assignments on, an, on a defensive zone draw, it's 1-1 and you're still right there in the game I felt like they got the best of them. But, Joe, what was your taste on those?
2: I agree with you on the icing. Um, yeah, the icing was dicey. But the reason that the puck had to be shot down the ice was because the Flyers were sloppy in their own end. Yeah. Before that, leading up to it. And, you know, the Chara thing, I, he seemed a little feisty this weekend. He was going after Brad Marchand on Friday night against Boston because after, after uh, Brandon Carlo got hit by Tom Wilson and – hit that resulted in the suspension, which is why the Flyers aren't seeing Wilson this week. So maybe he just had a little uh, extra motivation to get after guys that are smaller than him, which is almost everybody in the league that he's <laughs> to come up against. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think a ton about the Chara Faraby play when it happened. I only, you know, because I guess my attention went to the goal that went right. It happened right after it. And just, you know, how did this get many guys get caught up ice and, you know, they have wide open. I mean, there were three players on that, on that play that could have scored that goal. So, um, you know, uh, the Farabee one didn't stick out to me as much as like the Konechny one for sure. The icing one was dicey. I felt like there were a couple icings that were dicey and I feel like that's almost a plague around the league. You see, how many guys do you see pull up after an icing whistle and they're arguing about who was there first and you know um i feel like they took that rule out of the league for safety purposes yeah and it seems like it's kind of evolved into something else that maybe they they didn't uh, intend for in the first place like to me at this point if guys are even there shouldn't be a call if you're racing back for a for a puck um if it's clear cut, okay, it's clear cut. But I would say, I mean, if you have a body, if you have more than a body's length on a guy, it's easy to tell. And that's clearly not what was the case, uh, yesterday on that particular icing call. Um, and and I, I think that needs to get a little more clear cut because I feel like there's a ton of gray area about the icing from game to game based on who the referees and the linesmen are in each game. Um, so that needs to be cleaned up. But yeah, I mean, the the to me the Konechny one that might have been the, the, the that might have been the number one worst call I've seen all season in any game, not just Flyer games.
0: Yeah, and and the JVR uh, uh, the icing call like when a player like JVR is that um, upset about it, that, that tells you something. Uh, JVR is the team's uh, player rep for the NHLPA. Uh, he's super respectful, and he's he, a lot of people say he's one of the smartest guys in the league. The fact that he was that bothered by it tells you that yeah he he thought that was a bad call um and then with uh with Ferbey and Char too like Taryn was saying how some people were upset that JVR came to Ferbey's defense half the fans are I get tweeted half the time more than half the time that if a player doesn't if a flyer doesn't stand up for a guy that gets hit like that uh they're they're, they're so mad and like we don't have any guys like that anymore since Wayne Simmons like JVR was just trying to stand up for a team, It's hard to fold him there, but
2: yeah. If you dissect the play, though, I think I think, the, the, I think the, when people overreact, you look at this: a defenseman scored the goal for them. Both of the wingers who were responsible for the def, the points on, you know, the defensive side of the ice are tied up, you know, with Chara, and that's what stands out to people. So of course, people are going to go, "Oh, why aren't the wingers down the ice?" You know, blah blah blah. This guy's wide open because of that. You know, 98 times out of 100 that play happens, a goal doesn't go in, and somebody says, oh, well, they should have they gone after more. So, right. you know, you can't please everybody. No. The game's played on the ice. It's not played, uh, you know, on a computer or on a, you know, a rule book or, you know, how you're taught to play the game, and this person takes this person, and that ter- person takes that person. That's not how it always plays out on the ice. So you, you're never going to get – everybody to be on board with something and when a goal goes in the 10 the tendency is to overreact and at that point of the game the Flyers were already seemingly behind the eight ball so I think that just added to people's reaction
1: well the other thing is too is if that goal doesn't go in and then the Flyers are all playing pissed off and then good stuff happens because of it the exact converse conversation happens where you go doesn't this team play well when they're physically challenged and they, and they lean into the physical side of the game. We saw it against the penguins in Thursday's game, you know, and that's the thing is, I mean, it sticks with me the fact as well that Joel loved to get involved in fights that he shouldn't get involved in last year. And I think he was kind of told as well, like, Hey, we love that you want to be physical. We love that you're confident, but please stop fighting people, especially people that you have no business fighting. Um, And I'm sure in some regard, like, Joel's realized his value to the team. And and in that situation, it was, like, Chara, a giant, giant human being who's also a veteran. Joel, I don't think – like, Joel kind of got lit up unexpectedly. The perfect storm of it all is – like, I'm almost more – I lean towards the side of the fans who are, like, how are you going to let your guy get, like, clotheslined and not – do or say anything but like joe said is is that the game's not like that situation doesn't happen in a vacuum which makes it hard because it's not just that moment there's another moment happening at the same time the other moment plays out differently and the flyers get some jolt from the physicality we're talking about an entirely different response from people it's just we can't address address Certain moments from a game entirely in a vacuum because they're nuanced, and that's just not how it works. Right. Flyers talk is presented by Wells Fargo.
0: When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help.
1: Well, guys, points bet set the odds for uh, teams to win the East Division here. Kind of some interesting numbers to go with it. The Boston Bruins, the favorite in the East, according to points bet, at plus 125. Then the Flyers and the Capitals are both tied at plus 375. And beneath them is the New York Islanders, who are plus 450. Interesting, because Capitals have led the East at points throughout the year, depending on what time of day this <laughs> this comes out. That could easily change because the standings uh, constantly seem like they're changing. But it, it's – Joe, I'll, I'll ask you first, it seems – Sort of interesting, Flyers and Capitals have better odds than the Islanders in the East right now.
2: Well, what really stands out to me on that list is the Islanders. I mean, the the Islanders last year or in the bubble. You know, we saw what they were all about. Um, This year, they had a bumpy start, as we saw the Flyers played really well against them. But since then, they've turned into a totally different team, and they're currently sitting in first place. So um, uh, I'm – I'm puzzled by the Islanders' odds. Um, it's interesting to me that the Flyers and Capitals are kind of on the same, length, uh, what you know, same area of the odds because, you know, I, I just I don't know how equal I see those two teams right now. Um, but what it also could tell you is the people behind these odds they generally know more than us, so maybe they uh, they know more about the Flyers and they are. You know, they're high on the Flyers, and that's a good sign for everybody because Vegas barely misses.
1: And again, you can go to pointsbet.com and check out those odds for teams to win the East Division. Currently, it sits Bruins, then Flyers and Capitals with the same odds, and then the Islanders behind them. But Flyers still in the top four, which, according to Pointsbet, still has them as a playoff team.
3: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: Well, there was one great thing to see, and that was fans back in the building. Uh, 3,100 fans are now permitted back at Flyers and Sixers games. The Flyers uh, kicked off the return to the stands uh, by welcoming their fans back Sunday night just shy of 3,100 fans were in attendance. And you have to love Flyers fans. We, we know some of their things that they're known for. Um, and that, that was all on display. Taryn, what was your what was your favorite moment about Flyers fans being in the back of the building? I was laughing at your tweet uh, when you were from our newsroom and you saw fans entering. And you were just happy to see human beings, Taryn. Yeah, it
1: was, it was crazy. It, Al and I both, when we were – our studio was on one floor and our – desks are on a different floor so when we walked down to the studio before pregame we'd like go by the big window where you see the parking lot where all the cars were parked and we were like oh my gosh like it felt like this day would never come um favorite moment uh obviously the oscar moment i thought that was massive i i thought it was great when pittsburgh did it especially given the Mario Lemieux side of the situation and the background to it all. I thought it was cool. Um, but to, to see that again was cool. And then honestly, like, you know, we've been talking about the calls from the referees and how they really blew it quite a few times and hearing Flyers fans just absolutely hand it to them was I thought what they deserved. So that was, I mean, because other than that, like we can't say a lot, it was very cool and Joel scored and they were excited, but by the second period, game swung in favor of the caps and it really never swung back after that so you know what i'm gonna go with just the fans absolutely giving it to the refs when they totally messed up in that game that was That's my favorite it. moment and Tyron, let's not, not forget about the fan on pregame the fan oh yes of- justin justin and i found out that he was actually hold on i have a cool so if you guys watch flyers pregame live which i hope you did um we interviewed a fan who said, "My room is painted orange and black. every day there's a flyer's game feels like Christmas, this that, and the next thing. Just so stoked, screaming. I was told even once the cameras went down, he was trying to get fans to chant in the concourse and then I found out it's the same um, fan from the Inquirer article today yep. he's a marine sergeant um, and he drove oh no where's the? Yeah, he he like miles. drove a crazy distance and he's, yeah. I think, deployed next week. Um, just Justin, I'm gonna, I hope this this, right. Solorio, Justin Solorio. Um, so thank you for your service, Justin. I'm trying to get him in touch with the Flyers. They wanted to send something out to him because he was awesome. And uh, yeah, that was cool. I mean, it is cool because part of this as well and part of like, Like, sports are such a marker in time for people, and this whole kind of, like, fanless experience feels like normal life light, like the diet version of normal life, trying to make it as normal as you can. And it's starting to feel safe to be more normal again, and it's, like, that's why I'm so excited just to see people. It's like, okay, this this is marking a moment in time now for all of us where we're saying... All right. Guys, we can we can maybe start to safely see each other again, of course, socially distanced and hopefully these vaccines get out and to everybody. Um, but yeah, it did, it just it felt like a like a marking in history of I remember March 10th, that last game. I remember there being concerns about the flyers like about the Wells Fargo Center, Center allowing fans in. Um, but the city didn't ban them from doing it, so there was kind of it was a tough situation in terms of like whether they could really refund people and how they would have to turn people away, all that stuff. I remember that day so clearly. I remember going to Tampa and being told this game's not going to happen. I remember coming home and being like, what are we going to do? What in the world is going to happen? When are we ever going to see sports again? And then today is kind of the next page in that book, as much as all the bubble stuff in between. Or yesterday it felt like the next stage in that book where it's like, we're coming back, we're opening the gates slowly, and it was cool. It was cool.
0: Yeah, just I, I was um, in the arena, and I'm looking at, obviously, they were doing a ton of fan shots on the, on the Jumbotron, and one one, one that, that kind of stuck out to me was, I think it was when the Flyers, I think, were going on a power play, and um, it was announced over the Jumbotron that they were, and fans were kind of getting into it and clapping, and they, they showed a shot of a dad, and it, it looked like a dad and his young son, and his the dad was, like, so pumped, and he was clapping and looking at his son. And then his son was, like, bouncing up and down in the chair. It was just like a father-and-son moment. Like, they were back at a game and enjoying it together and having fun. And I can only imagine how uh, mundane and um, tedious evenings have become for families. Like, it's probably, like, over the past year, it's probably just come home and do the same thing over and over and over again. And, he, you know, here they were, father and son, they were able to go – to a hockey game and enjoy it. And the the kid looked like he was ecstatic. I thought that was cool. And yeah, the Oscar standing out for me was just incredible. Like whenever I see that stuff, I can't, I couldn't help but think of like back when he was diagnosed in December, 2019, and you're thinking about his life. Like you're thinking about his life and you can't help but think, will he ever play hockey again? Will he ever hear fans cheer him on again? And here he was in front of fans being cheered on, standing ovation. Boy, he just deserved that moment. That was really cool. Joe, what did you think about the fans being in the back in the building? It felt like a taste of normalcy.
2: Yeah, um, it, and 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 you heard those things that we – I guess maybe you say you take for granted um, before a year ago. You take for granted that when a penalty is called on the flyers, you're going to hear booing and maybe <laughs> some chants that are not suitable to talk about on the podcast. Um, <laughs> and that you're going to hear, you know, uh, let's go flyers chant from before the opening faceoff last night. And those are the kind of things where when they happened, uh, before March of 2020, you didn't even know it. it was like barely a blip on your radar. Yeah. And now they happen and it's like, wow, listen to that. It's almost like you never heard it and you're hearing it for the first time again. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because that, uh, we we're talking about that fan in pregame. And of course we thank him for his service. And at the time we didn't know what he did for a living. And that sound soundbite comes up. And I think he says something like, I have at least 30 jerseys in my closet. And my, I'm like, man, what is this guy doing for a living that he's 30 jerseys in a, cause, you know, hockey jerseys aren't exactly, uh, you know, the cheapest things in the world. No. So, but, um, yeah, that's uh that's the kind of energy um that we've missed. Um and and you know, several of the players a couple of them were uh were um asked about that fan in particular after the game. And they all were super appreciative and super appreciative of the fans of the fans as a whole. So it I'm looking forward to I don't wanna say getting back to taking them for granted, because I don't know that anybody that's gone through this is ever going to take it for granted again, but as the numbers increase and it becomes, uh, the numbers of fans that can attend these games increase and it becomes more normal to have fans back at games, I'm looking forward to that feeling, um, returning to the building and all the buildings, but you know, we got a little warm up with Pittsburgh when the Flyers were playing there. We saw some fans and some of the players commented on it, but to have them in their in their own building, I'm sure it was a whole different thing, and you know something that us um, media mem- as media members and I'm sure the players will never take for granted again if they did before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wells Fargo Center is spooky when it's empty too. It's yeah, right. It's very, it feels like a ghost town, and it's like yeah. All right, people are moving back to the neighborhood now it's less of a ghost town
2: <laughs> well it's interesting because the day on sunday or saturday uh the flyers are in pittsburgh playing and we're in the wells fargo center because that's where our office is so i walk out the back door to kind of just give a look at what the arena preparations are and, and kind of how it looked the capitals are in the ice practicing while the flyers are playing a game in pittsburgh and uh and I'm like, oh, so the Capitals got the first look at the building when the, uh, that the fans will see when they walk in because they've been on the road for, like, it seems like three weeks straight. Yes. This crazy season, it seems like, you know, that was very a very fitting moment for me to go out there and hear the boards and the sticks and everything going on while the Flyers are playing a game in another city. The Capitals are on their ice practicing.
0: That is great. That really is great. And, yeah I- – you have to love Flyers fans. I know I love them. They're, they're, you have to love their passion, their quirks, and uh, they truly live it and breathe it every day. And uh, you have to appreciate that. And we'll have a uh, we'll have more of those fans coming up uh, as the Flyers continue this homestand. It's four games. This was game one of a four-game homestand for them, uh, so it should be fun having them back in the building. And I also wanted to say kudos to all the Wells Fargo Center uh, employees and and officials. I thought they made it. Super safe and 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 uh, and they obviously kept things enforced in terms of all the restrictions and the safety protocols. They they didn't take it lightly, and I thought fans followed it perfectly too. So kudos to everyone involved for making it safe and 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 uh, capable of happening. It, it happened, which is like Terrence said. We'll remember this uh, certainly. I think for the rest of our lives. So that was that was cool to see. Um, aside from the result for the Flyers, but more games to come, and I cannot wait to watch them on NBC Sports Philadelphia and from the arena and watching pre- and post-game live with Taryn Hatcher. Thank you, as always. Love chatting with you. Joe Foray, thank you so much as well. I uh, cannot wait to watch pre- and post-game live on NBC Sports Philadelphia all week. And special thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you. Glad you could be back in the building and hope you continue to enjoy the hockey. This is the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.